we as an agency had entered into the agency management system market in 1992. And at that point, we started with one of the biggest, one of the most well-known management systems of the time and had worked with them for years and years. And what we had found is that in the early 2000s, probably I could pinpoint this to something like 2003 or 2002, we start seeing the technology and the customer's need for communication and for the way that we were e-filing. This really started to take just tremendous jumps in this industry. And we were needing to find something. How can we attach emails? How can we attach images? How can we effectively transactional file? And what we were found is that particular vendor was not innovating in those areas that we felt were critical in order to, to best serve our clients and effectively serve them. So it was just by happenstance, one of our carriers had sent out an announcement saying, hey, we now do direct bill commissions download to this particular carrier. And I'd never heard of this carrier. I went out and I started reading a lot about this carrier and was just blown away by the user feedback that I was seeing and that I was reading on that. Most of it was the accessibility as a user to the carrier and the responsiveness that they would have in implementing these things. It also helped that all of those same situations, all of those features that we were really kind of feeling a little bit of heartburn on with not having, they they had that in there or they very quickly had that on the roadmap and no secret there that this particular carrier was Hawksoft. So in 2008, we embarked on about a three month analysis of the, the management system and what we had found, I used it side by side with this other management system. And what we found was that this was filling all of our needs, plus adding a tremendous amount of opportunity to us for how we could manage the agency. And that's everywhere from, you know, making diary entries of our conversations with our clients all the way up through the accounting. It was just so much more than what we had and uh, that's what caused us to make the switch to Hawksoft and about a month and a half, two month process as far as the migration uh, got us up and running and, and we've never looked back. Hi, I'm George Patterson with Williamson Insurance Service in Zanesville, Ohio, and this is why we chose Hawksoft. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95% 
Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. God, I love Hawksoft. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great. How are you? I'm in Mobile, Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to tell y'all something today. I got something on my heart I want to I want to go ahead and say. And this, this message goes out to the state of Alabama. I want to say a special message to the state of Alabama today. Dear, dear state of Alabama, if you think that it can stay 40 degrees for three or four, five weeks in North Alabama, and Scott Howell won't pick his family up and move south to either South Florida or the Caribbean. Keep it up with this 40-degree weather up in North Alabama and see what happens. I will move to freaking Key West. I will move to Jamaica. I will move to somewhere where it does not stay for four weeks, maybe five weeks, in Huntsville, Alabama area. It has been no more than 45 degrees. It's been raining in 45. It's been sunny 45. It's been cloudy 45. I did not sign up for that, Bradley, and I am not going to live in it. I don't mind sunny in 45. It's when it's cloudy in 45 with wind. That's when I – but I like the sunny and – you you can be outside in shorts in 45-degree weather for a Mm -hmm. little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that. It's it's the it's when you get the other elements mixed in. So it's a little little colder where it's, so, it's so, worse so, where you are. So here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's what is supposed to happen in North Alabama. It's supposed to be 40 to 45 degrees one day, and then the next day bump up to like ah, 55, 60, and here comes some rain. So now the next day, the third day, it's supposed to be like 60, 65, then it rains. Now we drop back down to 35, 40 degrees for a day. I'm fine with that. I'm good. I'm good with that. We can do that. But this 40 to 45 degree weather constant for like three and four weeks at a time, I did not sign up for that. If I wanted to live in the Northeast, I would go live in the Northeast. But I, I'm telling you right now, state of Alabama, listen to the words coming out of my mouth. If you keep up with this 40 degree weather all the time, I'm moving. I'm moving south. I'm not going to put up with this. Bradley, I got a question for you before we bring on our all-star guest. Sure. What in the hell is going on in Mobile, Alabama? Let me explain to you guys what's going on. I pull out of the hotel this morning to come over here. I drive one block towards Bradley's office. There is a mobile digital police sign, digital, that says juvenile curfew. 
10 p.m. until 5 a.m. Okay. Saw a couple of those. I keep driving. I start seeing this smattering of those, uh, those like LG white uh, scissor lifts that have the police tower on them with the blacked out windows all over the place. Please explain what in the hell is going on in Mobile, Alabama. You know exactly what it is. Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Y'all getting ready. It's getting wound up, dude. When, when, when the, December, the December the 26th, posted on Facebook, happy Mardi Gras, everybody, because Damn. as soon as Christmas is over, that's what everybody's getting ready for. Um, Got my beads on. I had to show my boobies ten- this morning to get these great beads. <laughs> Tentatively, end of January. So the Senior Bowl... The Senior Bowl isn't the official kickoff, but that's I think the first parade is the Senior Bowl parade, which is like the first week of February, I believe. Mm. So it's about to get it's about to get down and dirty here real real soon. Boy, they play that national championship game tonight. Jim Harbaugh's assistant will be booking him a trip down for the old Senior Bowl since he's supposed to be going to either the Raiders or the or yeah. the Chargers next week. He'll probably be here regardless because of the yeah the, the, he I'm sure he has some players in it. That's where I took that I took a picture with him. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Such a nice such guy. a nice I've guy. heard nothing but nice things. But uh except about all the cheating and the this and the that. See but. here's the thing about the the Michigan cheating. Like that's a that's allowable in every other sport but college football. It goes on you know Saban said he said when I was at the Dolphins we did the exact same thing. Like, I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but right. that's basically what he said. It's allowed in the NFL. It's allowed in baseball. It's allowed in NASCAR. Right. I mean, I think they should just go ahead and, and make it a thing. Somebody and the said, thing is, is other teams do it, too. Somebody said, well, I can tell you how to cut every bit of this out. Put uh, microphones in the college quarterback's helmets. That's what Saban said. That's what Saban said. Saban said because it went on in the NFL, they had the microphones and right. the stuff in their helmets. Right. Which, which I mean, the whole college football landscape is turning in the NFL with NIL and all that. So I mean, it might they might as well do that. But anywho, yeah, we're getting ready for Mardi Gras, man. It's gonna be fun. You know, we we should do, we should plan it out one year, and we should do a podcast session and like report live from Mardi Gras, like from a balcony, like like we're freaking uh, uh, Anderson Cooper at the ball drop on the balcony, like. Yeah, that, man, that, that makes be... me want to take a shot of rare, of Eagle Rare right now. For those of you that listen <laughs> to Ben's episode, I got Scott a bottle of Eagle Rare for his birthday at this mm. whiskey. If you want to get him a gift, and uh, I've been drinking it ever since. And uh, he he <laughs> opened it at nine oh eight a.m. So as he should, Bradley. I got I got something I got to get off my chest here. Let me tell you what Mobile feels like to me. Mobile to me, and I've been coming down here every other uh you know like four or five times a year to podcast since 2017. Mobile, Alabama, to me, feels like Cincinnati, Ohio. And let me explain why. I can see that. It feels like Cincinnati, Ohio, because both cities are teetering on either being a third world country or like a destination vacation place. And both of them like are riding that that tight wire of it could just go either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like I've often said that Ohio is the Alabama of the Midwest. 100%. It's, it it has that Alabama feel. Right. Good and bad when yeah. you go there. The politics are very similar. The way the cities are laid out are very similar. The It's not too busy. You can kind of get around sure. if you need to, you know. 
There's, so, there's so, three major cities in Ohio. There's three major cities in Alabama, you know. So the CVS right here closed down. Last thank, time I was down here, they were closed. And then about two weeks ago, you sent me a message. January 1, our two two of our favorite restaurants shut down on on Dolphin Street, which is a yeah. – that is the street in downtown it's like Mobile. Bourbon street, yeah. yeah. What the hell is going on, man? You know, I don't – Is I, it just the – I don't know if – those two closings were economical because the owner of that those two restaurants owns a ton of restaurants. Mm. And I heard through the grapevine they were having landlord issues. Mm. I don't know if you heard that, Rand, but I heard they were having landlord issues. But I've, since then, that was a week ago, since then I heard that there's another restaurant going in there that I'm pretty excited about. So okay. Okay. It'll 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 fill up really quick. But it's it's definitely definitely slowing down. You know, downtown was booming three years ago. Mm. And then there was a, a what they called a mass shooting on New Year's Eve, not this past New Year's, but a year ago, and it's kind of it's kind of chilled out. So that's, that's why you see the police towers and stuff for Ronnie yeah. making sure everybody behaves themselves and, yeah, and that sort yeah. of thing. So, guys, we got some all star guests to bring on today, and uh, I'm so excited to have both of them on here. So let me give them the introduction that they've always deserved. First, he is originally from Essex, Vermont, and he currently resides. In South Burlington, Vermont, he is married to the beautiful Rachel, and they have one beautiful baby girl, age eight. Her name is Alice. Alice, please do me a favor and go hug your daddy's neck when you hear this and tell him how much you love him and how proud you are of him. He is a graduate of Virginia Tech with a degree in Geographic Information Systems. Now, I have no idea what that is, but we're going to talk about that today. He is a avid collector of home gym equipment. His goal, Bradley, you won't hear this. One day have a gym that rivals the rocks, iron paradise. Mm. Basically, he wants to have a gold gym at his house. Love that. <laughs> and he is the co-owner of the Kenny Insurance Agency. And this speaks to my heart. Janitor to co-owner from 2012 to present. I say that speaks to my heart as I was recording a video the other night I sent to Bradley as I'm taking the garbage out of our Athens office, piling it up in my vehicle to take it to the dumpster out back. I'm thinking, when am I going to stop having to clean toilets and take out the damn garbage? When is that going to happen? <laughs> Guest number two, South Hero, Vermont. He is originally from South Hero, Vermont, and he currently resides in Essex, Vermont. He is married to the beautiful Beth, and they have three beautiful babies. Anna, age 16, she probably thinks she's 24. John, age 13, and Brandon, age 10. Guys, do me a favor. Go hug your daddy's neck and tell him how proud you are of him and how much you love him. There's one thing I'm going to tell you kids right now. More than anything you could ever give him, he would appreciate that more than anything. He is a graduate of Penn State University with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Past president of the Vermont Independent Agents Association. He has completed three, count them three, agency acquisitions. My goodness, Bradley Flowers, y'all could talk for four days about that. He attended both IBM and GE's leadership development program. Hint, hint, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And today, he is currently the co-principal of the Kenny Insurance Agency since 2018, Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to bring on Mr. Drew and Alan Kenny. How are you guys? Yeah, thanks, guys. 
We're doing great, man. Let me tell you, listening to you guys talk about college football, I'm pretty sure that was the longest Alan and I have ever yeah. had to shut up on something that we wanted to, <laughs> you to jump in and be like, well, let me talk a little bit about this. Yeah. College football is what we do, right? Like, pretty much just dying over yeah. here. Like, <laughs> My <laughs> only knowledge of Virginia Tech is that Auburn played them in 2004 in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah I remember we we lost to the na- when we should have went to the national championship. And Marcus Vick played there. That's my only two. And the, I know Michael, the Hokies. Michael Vick. Marcus. Mark, or both of them. Well, Marcus was the Marcus second. Marcus Michael, yeah. Yeah, Marcus I didn't know, I didn't know Michael product. played there, so that tells you how limited my knowledge is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey guys, I got, a, I got a real important question for you. I got the most important question of the day. I want you to – I need thoughtful, thoughtful consideration to the answer that you're about to give. Don't just fly off the handle. I'll give you a few seconds. Michigan versus Washington tonight in the college football national championship who wins i can't say michigan so i have yeah. to say washington <laughs> i cannot bring myself to say michigan <laughs> definitely washington i think <laughs> washington has a solid chance oh yeah oh yeah a lot of people yeah, are yeah. picking them would you do y'all, they, do y'all know they, what they've the got, they've is? got the offense they've got the offense that could keep up with it but certainly michigan might be able to beat them up up the middle and that might sure. be tough <laughs> so michigan's favored by three michigan's favored by three three and a half something okay. like that okay. I, I th- so what i heard that with Washington's quarterback, what's his name? Is it Penix? Michael Penix. Penix, yeah. Penix. I think there's a mix match with him mm. and and the, their receivers versus mm. Michigan's DBs. Mm. I saw something about that, and that, that's always yeah. when you have a, a a close two teams that are really close yeah. in skill level. That it's always those mix matches that that make the huge difference. Similar to when they played yeah. Alabama. Yeah. I had an old high school football coach tell me one time when I was about uh, eighth or ninth grade. He said, Scott. Uh, I'm going to tell you something about football. When you have two teams that are very evenly matched, usually the team with the best quarterback wins. That's what he said. So I'll uh, I'll tell you, I'm so happy that Alabama lost. (laughs) I I am such an Alabama hater, and I admit it. I hate Alabama more than I like Auburn. Mm. Yeah. And I have this – I'm about to tell you a really – bad part of my personality when Alabama loses Mm -hmm. and I go on Facebook Mm -hmm. and I see that I have Facebook friends that went to the game. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that they wasted their time and are driving back. (laughs) It makes me warm and fuzzy on the inside that they left disappointed. If, if, if Alabama scheduled a game with Iraq, who would you pull for? Well, that's the famous Charles Barkley quote. If if they were playing Afghanistan, I'd root for Afghanistan. I mean, yeah. you know, I am proud to be an American and all that. But okay. It would be hard. It'd be a and tough now, call. I, but I will say this. I love Nick Saban. Okay. Yeah. I, I love more particularly old man Nick Saban. Oh, he's yeah. all business. He's coming out of his shell. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just – and it's more – you know, I've been to many Auburn games and have left disappointed. It's more that I want them to feel that disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had 50-yard line tickets to the Sugar Bowl when Auburn played Oklahoma, and I took a friend of mine who was a, probably the biggest Alabama fan I know, has, mm-hmm. has roll tattooed on one foot and tied tattooed oh, on the oh, other geez. foot. Perfectly aligned so that when he wears his flip-flops, you can see it. Johnny Wynn? No. <laughs> and I took him with me. And uh, Johnny is just steaming editing this right oh, now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I took yeah. this buddy with me, and we actually had three tickets. I got them for free. And so it was nice because we had a, a seat in between us. Mm-hmm. And so we had room or whatever. And he wore his freaking Alabama hat. 
<laughs> and the lady next and we're at you know, we're in yeah. like the, we're not in the suites, but the next right. best, I mean, this lady next to him is like probably an Auburn booster and he, he, he sits down and she's like, just over there steaming, thinking, I know what she's thinking. I paid $2,000 for these tickets and I got to sit next to a damn Alabama fan. Anyway, <laughs> so we, we get done with the game and Auburn loses and he's like, we, he doesn't say anything. We're in the car driving back to Mobile and it's like silence. Mm. And we got to about Biloxi and he goes man, this sucks because he was rooting. He was actually rooting for Auburn, but he's like, this sucks. Like this was in the middle of Mm -hmm. AJ McCarron, Alabama's hate. He's like, this absolutely sucks. I was like, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah. 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 Right. Hey guys, I got a question for y'all. Yep. So Alan, you graduated from Penn state and then Drew, you graduated from, from Virginia tech. So how are, I assume both of you are fans of your prospective schools. Is that right? Yep, yeah. Fans okay. probably putting a statement, but yes. We, yeah. uh, we, we almost had a matchup, but then COVID ruined that. Yeah. And we had, it all got rescheduled or canceled sure. or whatever. But, sure. uh, yeah. My very first college football game, I went down to Penn State. Allen was a freshman at that time, and it was actually Michigan versus Penn State, and I think they were one and two at the time. Yeah, never wondered. And uh, weather was terrible, cold, freezing rain, and Michigan absolutely trounced Penn State. Um, so that's why I can't root for Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> I, understood. Understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What in the world is going on with this? Just click click the screen. Oh, the screen. Okay. Let me, let me Sorry do, about that, on. guys. Let me do my clicker. Let me do my clicker real okay. quick. Sorry about but, that. We got, it does amaze me though. Like you look at even the Michigan Alabama game, like it really, if you look at it, they all, after the game, everybody's like, Hey, you know, Harbaugh outcoached Saban, but it really came down to that one play where the defensive sure. line gets a hand on the ball. The ball doesn't change its trajectory, but like two inches, their Michigan receiver climbs a ladder and catches that thing with one hand. Yeah. If that ball gets deflected just any little bit more, like we're talking about Saban beating Harbaugh. Like that's what just amazes me. It's just like, yeah. it really was like these little plays and it's like inches, little inches decided that it wasn't like in this huge coaching debacle. Like you, the, the thing yeah, for you, me you, too you, is I'm watching this game as a, in a, in a Virginia tech fan. And we're obviously in a bit of a struggle bus period right now, trying to come back. And I'm like looking at those two teams and I'm like, we are nowhere near that. <laughs> it's like that is big boy football. And we are, we are so far away. Well, I know. Like in some of the bowl games, I've heard them talk about, and we'll get on insurance for everybody that doesn't like football. Apologize. Yeah, right. <laughs> when when you have an SEC team and a say an ACC team mm-hmm. playing each other, a lot of times the officiating crew will come from the Big Ten. Yeah. Right. That way, there's no bias either way. And I've heard them say that with SEC teams, they have a hard time sometimes keeping up with the game because it moves so fast. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. One thing I tell people from all over the country, I'm like, they're like, SEC football, this and that. I'm like, well, the difference between SEC football and everywhere else, for the most part, except for teams like Ohio State, Michigan, even Oregon has had this problem. It's one of the reasons they got beat by Auburn in the 2010 national championship game. So my agency is about – one of my agencies, my oldest agency is is in Athens, Alabama – which is two about two miles, mile and a half, and I have a lot of people insured in a little little community called Tanner, Alabama. Tanner, Alabama would mean nothing to anybody on this podcast. There might be one stoplight, but I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, that every major college football coach in America knows where Tanner, Alabama is because in order to win national championships, you have to have these – gigantic six foot five 
six foot six defensive tackles and defensive ends that most schools like Virginia Tech right now don't have. So when you watch a college football game, you'll always see these enormous defensive tackles and defensive ends playing for teams like Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, um, next year Ole Miss, Tennessee. And you have to have those guys to be able to be competitive in a national-type scenario. And most teams just don't have guys that are that big. But these little towns in Alabama – the Black Belt of Alabama, places like Greensboro, which is really the town that the movie um, Forrest Gump, you know, you've heard there right. was Greenbow. Well, it wasn't really, there's no such thing as Greenbow, Alabama, which is Tom Hanks always says, Greenbow, Alabama. Yeah. That, that's really Greensboro. Okay. That's in yeah, the yeah. Black Belt. That's in the Black Belt, Utah. Those types of little towns have the six foot five, six foot six guys that are as wide as this table I'm sitting at right now. And you got to have them to be competitive in the national football landscape. And and these SEC schools have access to those guys. Now, I'm not going to say that any of them are going to be rocket scientists for NASA anytime soon. (laughs) And and getting them into school is probably a, uh, a treacherous endeavor because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most of them can't read or write uh, you know <laughs> just what i've been told but buddy can they play some football and and they can plug a hole and and you take yeah. those, those big big defensive tackles and ends and you watched it when when auburn played oregon in that 2010 game they had those little bitty defensive tackles and defensive ends i'm like guys this game's over before we even start you know and yeah. michigan right now has those guys you know their offense and defensive line are just monsters i mean they're all the size of a whirlpool refrigerator right so it does make a difference and that's the only way you can compete against the sec school is to have guys that are that big have you ever seen the list of classes that zion williamson took at oh i bet bet it is let me can i guess because i've I've been to the university of alabama and i've been around that program class number one tennis (laughs) class number two weightlifting class number three Art. I'm trying to Plastic. find. I'm trying to find the article I read. That I'm telling you, it's it's bad. It's bad. But you know, a lot of times today, you take like a like the Johnny Manziel Netflix documentary. After he became the starting quarterback at Texas A&M, like after the, I think it was after the Alabama game when he won as a fresh uh, a redshirt freshman at Alabama in Tuscaloosa, he never went back to class again. He yeah. would take all of his classes online because yeah. he he couldn't go to class. Here's, he would here's, just be mobbed. Here's the list of three of them. Uh, the history of hip-hop. There you go. Sexual <laughs> pleasures of the modern world. I no. might want to take that myself. Went, hey, yeah. you, Duke University, you're going to have to get into Duke. The theater today and copy of writing 101, the Disney version. You damn right. <laughs> Love it. All classes Scott would want to take if I was in college. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind taking the history of hip-hop. That'd be fun. Hell yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, guys, let's talk a little bit. Drew, Alan, I'm going to start with Drew. Sounds let's good. Get, let's get in my DeLorean for a minute. Go back in time. Kind of just give us an elevator sp- spill on how you guys got into the business and kind of bring us up to today. Yeah, so I kind of joined the family business uh, back in 2012 at that uh time I was living down in Washington, D.C. area. Before that, I was doing consulting work for Deloitte Consulting, one of the big uh, consulting firms down there. Big six accounting firms, right? Right, right. They also have a huge consulting branch. And uh, 
division. And then, uh, so I was, you know, working all kinds of projects and things down there. And my father had reached out and wanted to know if I was interested in getting back into the family business or getting into the family business. And, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where I've been thinking about getting back to Vermont for a while. DC is a little bit of a hectic, crazy place. Vermont's definitely a little different. And uh, so I jumped at it and joined. Uh, you know, at that time when I joined, uh, we had two and a half employees. So you had a part-timer, two employees and a part-timer and my father and myself. Um, and then later that year, Alan joined right as we acquired a you know, kind of another agency. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't, don't start this. Alan, did you have to get talked into this or were you all on board? Or, or, or was Drew like, hey, dude, come on now. Come on. If you knew our father, you know, we, he didn't really bring us both into this picture like together at that point. So he, he had talked to me. So my DeLorean, I spent seven years working for IBM in uh, upstate New York, uh, mm -hmm. built a semiconductor manufacturing facility and then helped run it for a couple of years. And then my family, we started to have our, our daughter was born. We decided we wanted to get back home to Vermont. So I moved back, uh, spent four years working for GE Healthcare right here locally in town. Um, and during that process, my dad came in one day to the office and visited me. And he's like, hey, I got this opportunity to acquire this agency, but I can't run both agencies uh, by myself. And he needed to put together a succession plan as part of the acquisition. Uh, right. So that's how I came into the picture. So when we bought that agency, that's when I joined and uh and then yeah it's been been a race ever since uh but yeah no it's been good uh the, you know kind of the net of it is like you said we in 2018 is when we acquired the agency from my father and if you look back at kind of what we've been through and the road we've gone down it's uh and i know you scott you and i talked about this a little bit at one point but it's you know that's transitioning from that single office where you have a couple employees to a a larger footprint and how do you start mm -hmm. doing that and making it scalable and making it something that you can actually manage because once you get over seven ten employees it gets hard to to keep track of everything yourself you can't be aware of every issue so you've got to start really locking down your processes and how you do everything and start putting in place leadership teams and, and those type of things and and that's kind of the journey we've been on over the last six years since we acquired the agency all Although growing pretty rapidly by Vermont standards. So it's been kind of trying to, you know, rebuild the airplane while you're flying. So, oh my gosh, such a great, such a great analogy trying to rebuild the airplane <laughs> while you're flying. Hey, I got yeah. one question for y'all. Yeah. Now, in 2018, you bought the agency from your dad. Yep. Did y'all have to take a couple of Thanksgivings off or did y'all skin off in the parking lot and fight or did it go well? Yeah, <laughs> this is a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. <laughs> was, let's just say the agency transition was very challenging and, uh, you know, mom probably kept the Thanksgivings together. <laughs> sure, right. No, I get it. They're always challenging. They are always yeah. challenging. You, you talk to anybody that's been through it. We have a, a, a fellow support group that gets together at every conference. and it, 100%. You know, it's a process to go through, and we definitely went through one of those processes, just like everybody else. And uh, yeah. but, you know, we worked through it. It took some time, but we got there. And uh, yeah, it's always an adventure. Everybody that's been through one of these will tell you it's it's oh, never. Yeah. never yeah. We set the goal up front that we want to be able to keep having Thanksgiving, yeah. and it was yeah. nothing tough. But you know, <laughs> we we made it through. <laughs> you mentioned uh, before we came on the air. You mentioned your leadership team meetings. So, yeah. how many employees do you guys have? So there's 23 total of us now, um, and so that includes the two of us. So 21 employees at this point, and that includes our virtual employees as well. Gotcha. Yeah, we ran into we we've been doing the leadership meetings for about about two years, and and we ran into we got to 10 employees, not counting the virtual assistants, and those leadership meetings became a challenge because there's a lot yeah. of people in them, 
and yeah. they're almost counterproductive in mm-hmm. a way. And so what we we're in the transition now of going from one staff meeting with everybody to a service meeting, a sales meeting and a leadership meeting where mm-hmm. you have Natasha's over the sales, Kenneth's over the service. And then we have a, a leadership meeting with the three of us. Have you guys made is yeah, that sort of how you do it? Yeah, you basically just yeah. describe our same journey. So we've been doing it for about two years too. Now we didn't do we didn't have everybody in the initial year or two of it. It was just our leadership team. There's four of us that would meet. We then added in a fifth, uh, kind of the head of our sales team. And then now we're we're kind of doing what you described, where yes, so you still have that core leadership of five people that meet each week and go through the main issues. But then we do have a sales meeting, we have a service meeting, uh, and, and the goal is, like you said, to kind of drive, start driving some of the stuff further down the chain without bogging everybody down in, in a weekly meeting. So, so I want to ask all of you two questions. Number one are, is what the three of you, Bradley, Alan, Drew, is is what y'all are talking about? Is this that EOS system that everybody's talking about all the time? We're not following the EOS platform to the T it's right. more of a modified version. And I would guess that's similar to what these guys do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, it's what we modeled it after EOS, but similarly we have tweaked it a little bit, um, you know, kind of our most- hit the high points of that. Everybody keeps telling me you got to do EOS. You got to do EOS. You got to do EOS. Give me the like one minute, like, okay, what does that mean? Is it mean just have these leadership meetings? Is that what it is? Or is there more to it than that? There's more to it. Yeah. So it's, it's a full, the way I'd like to describe it is it's a way of controlling the chaos. So once you start getting up to 22 employees and or even 10, over 10 employees, you start getting to a point where you can't keep track of all the issues. And like you like to talk about, Scott, you're, you're slaying dragons all day, every day. Mm-hmm. This gives you a framework and a structure to each week. And then there's a whole quarterly review process and a yearly review process that folds into it to really make sure you are getting done some key things every week, every month, every quarter. Uh, you identify what they call rocks, which are kind of your key items for that quarter. And this is a way to once a week sit down and make sure you are working on these key improvement things. And then as issues come up, and we're not talking about why does so-and-so bill increase, you're talking about major you know, agency level things that go onto an issues list. In that leadership meeting, you evaluate that list and you decide, all right, here are the issues we're going to focus on this week, this month, this quarter. And, and it's just a way to control the chaos a little bit and make sure you're make, working on the right things at the right time. It's, you know, you want to mold together some different strategies out there. It's kind of focusing on that 20%. How do you make sure you're working on that key 20%, not the 80% that drives all the chaos? Uh, this is a way to structure that and do it. Really the ultimate goal, the, the ultimate goal of the OS is to get everybody on your team kind of moving in the same direction instead of every which way with kind of arrows going everywhere. And Yeah. And you look, well, sorry. And you look at like where we stand with 22 employees now, and this is really our big driver for this year. So when we had our, our yearly planning meeting a few weeks ago, this was my main message to the team is over the last three, four years, we've done a really good job of hiring very motivated people with a lot of energy. And now we've got to spend less time pulling people and more time directing people to make sure they're going the way we want them to go. Because if you don't, if you don't, you'll end up with someone that's running down a road of trying to, you know, write all the cannabis places they can get their hands on or right. something else. And you may not want that. So you got to start, all right, how do I point the team? How do I get them going the right direction? Because now we're we're more hurting the the you know the group than we are pulling the group. Where you know, six, seven years ago, we were doing a lot of pulling. Yes, use our system, please do this, put this in here, please call so and so back. You know, now we're now they're doing all that stuff and they're running off. Off and solving stuff, which is great. We got to make sure it's happening the way we want it to happen. And yeah, we have the right 
strategy right. there. And one, one of the real values is those weekly, you know, kind of check-ins and meetings yeah. because, you know, they, when when you look at, you know, when progress gets happens, you know, most of the time it happens right before the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you have yeah. a weekly meeting, you are making more progress much faster than if it's like a monthly and a quarterly or something like that. You know, there's just too much things that, you know, pull you in other ways, other directions that, you know, you're not necessarily accomplishing what you need to be accomplishing. So that weekly meeting and check-ins is, is pretty critical. My favorite thing too is we have a spreadsheet that is our agenda. Mm, okay. Yeah. And what you, what we, the big portion of our meeting is we discuss issues, any issues in the company, customer related, internal, carrier related, vendor related, whatever. It's not discussed in the meeting unless it's added to that agenda. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happens is somebody will come to you, you know, and you know, Scott, like your people will come to you and say, Hey, we got this issue, right? Yeah, it's a big deal. Put it on the agenda. We'll discuss it on Tuesday. Now, there are some things that are timely that need to be handled right away. And there are some things that, hey, the building's on fire and we got to handle this. So Mm -hmm. what happens with the first example is that team member is like, okay, well, we can't discuss this till Tuesday. No, the building's not on fire. I've got to handle this myself. So what happens is a lot of problems like that that are minuscule get handled. Yeah. And then... This, you can still, it, it leaves the stuff that the building's on fire. And so it basically eliminates all problems except really, really bad ones because they're not going to be discussed till Tuesday in the meeting. Are you in all the meetings? Because you said you have it broken up into like three or four groups. So I will attend all of them, but no, I'm not in all the meetings. What does that mean? So if I want to attend the sales meeting, I can. Okay. Okay. But no, the only one I'm in is the the leadership meeting and we're, we're new to splitting it up. You know, we, yeah. you know, we hit, yeah. we hit 10, 10 us based employees in November. And then we bought this agency and we're inheriting five more. And we were like, Hey, we need to go ahead and do this because we need to be humming like a top. Did any of y'all hire an EOS coach? Cause I've heard now the big thing is you hire. We, a- we didn't, you know, I've got somebody that's got a, you know, an, an MBA in process management change. And so <laughs> <laughs> I leaned on him and also they're, they're pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah. 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 We like to do things that this, the cheap. Did the you cheap read the book? The yeah. EOS yeah. book? Twice. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Twice. Wow. You know what, Scott, there's a great book for you that probably would work out well. And it's uh, EOS for dummies. It's, it's called What the Heck is EOS? And it's a spinoff awesome. from the main book. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one you read? That's the oh, one man. I read. <laughs> don't, but don't get the Spanish version unless yeah. you're, <laughs> you're better speaking Spanish than Drew is. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I accidentally bought the Spanish one at first. <laughs> so, Alan, you and I had a conversation yeah. at Innovation in Chicago that that was very brief. We were just kind of walking, passing yeah. each other in the vendor hall. And, and you mentioned that. I think someone had said, man, there's a bunch of newbie agents here. There's not a lot of people I can get value from, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And you you said that you had, you know, Drew didn't come, yeah. but you had this sense of responsibility that, you know, eight years ago, you were the newbie agent soaking up everything like a sponge. And you felt this responsibility to be there for the new newbie agents to kind of help them, which which kind of is a lot of why we do this podcast. And, and I've felt that a little bit too. Talk a little bit about that and how, you know, people listening to this that are more advanced and think, I don't want to go to these conferences or I don't need to go to masterminds or I don't need to come on podcasts because I'm not going to get anything from it. Talk about the other side of that. 
Yeah, and that, you hit, hit the nail on the head of my thoughts. And, and we know that there's been a lot of debate out there in the, the insurance space over do we have too many conferences or, or what's, what's going on? The answer is yes. The answer right. to yeah, that yeah. is yes. <laughs> and yeah, a, a lot, lot of that is... Yeah. 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 And that's the thing is that everybody's like, well, so there's not value in them anymore. And, and I and I think the value changes as your agency develops and you develop. And that's kind of my counter to that. And it really depends just what in that life cycle you are. So yeah, eight years ago, we only knew what my father knew about insurance, which again, mm. small family agency, and he was very successful with it. But we knew we need to take the next step forward. You look at the corporate world that I came from, and like Drew said, I'm operations and continuous improvement kind of guy. You know, you always look at trying to be a close follower, it, it, especially at our size. You know, it's painful to be the leader and make mistakes, you know, being on the tip of the spear. So you want to be that second or third, in this case, agent in on things because it gets you a chance to let someone else debug it, but you can still capture the initial wave of it. And and that's a lot of what we've tried to do and implement. So, yeah, our first innovation, our first time at one of Paradiso's events and so forth, you know, we just came out with notebooks of ideas and things that we've implemented and done and gone down these roads. And now when I go to a conference, you're right, it's not as much about who's on the main stage speaking. I might pick up a piece here and there, but it's more about the hallway conversations and figuring out who's doing what. But also, it's, you know, I'm there and Drew's there when, he, when, he, when we're at different, we go to different ones typically now. Uh, you know, for that new person that's showing up for the first time and they're like, you know, I've got five employees, you know, how do I handle this? How do I manage that? How do I handle this situation? And we'll tell them what we did, what worked, what didn't work. Because if you look at our agency and everything we've done over the last six, seven years, you know, you can see footprint or fingerprints on everybody, stuff from your podcast, stuff from different conferences, you know, our whole approach to VAs. And then we use uh, agency Zoom workflows for service center tasks. You know, all that came out of conversations we had with people that have had success using virtual employees and not success. And then how do they work with them and, and get that information in? And, you know, I think we were literally the second or third agency to start using agencies and workflows for service wow. center tasks. So it's, you know, it, it, but that was just because I happened to be talking to another agent about VAs and how they use them. And he's like, well, hey, I use this. And I'm like, hey, we've got agency Zoom. How do we use that? Well, yeah. the beta feature, you got to go turn it on. So we call agency Zoom. How do we turn this on? So it, it's that type of learning that we're getting out of these things now. But I want to be there for that new person that hasn't heard this stuff before, doesn't know it, help them cut through the noise a little bit and figure out what's important and not and, and start implementing because it's been a big impact on us. Well, it's similar to me with the speaking. You know, I started speaking four years ago, five years ago now, simply to get connections with people. The podcast was new. You know, I wanted to, you know, it's like the guy that hosts the party in high school. And eventually you do it so much that this past year, I spoke, I think, 12 times this past 12 or 13 times this past year and did did 12 in 2022. You get to a point where you it's like a diminishing return where the connections stop because you already know everybody. Yeah. Or you can right. get in touch with anyone there. And right. then it's like where it's taking from you. So there it I, I equate that to also people attending conferences. There comes a point where you have to be much more intentional about the ones you do. And like, I'm going to speak this year, but it's going to be way more intentional and not saying yes to everything. Same thing with going to conferences. I sent a survey out a couple of weeks ago for Carrie Wallace, but I sent it out to our listeners and she was doing a presentation, I think to the big eye on, on their, uh, their, their conferences and how they, she thinks they should be changed and that sort of thing. And we asked people, what's your favorite type of event to attend? And this was a lot of people and over 50% 
said mastermind. Mm. The smaller, yeah. more targeted, yeah. more exclusive. And there's a lot of agency owners in the room, a lot like them with a few outliers that are ahead of the game with them. And I think if I'm if I'm listening to this and I'm hosting a conference in 2024, 2025, I'm looking at more the mastermind style mm-hmm. type of event rather than putting on the big yeah. general event and having, you know, the same speakers that everybody else has. Right. And, yeah. and that also goes for the people. It, it frustrates me when I see these state associations and they're like, oh, our keynote speaker this year is Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not <laughs> helping anybody yeah. get, I mean, you know. Hey guys, it's Bradley. Look, are you tired of spending endless hours searching for potential business prospects? Look no further. With Leo, you can gain access to a whopping 40 million businesses. That's 40 million prospects in just seconds. Say goodbye to painstaking searches and hello to efficiency. You guys know I'm all about efficiency. Leo just isn't about speed, though. It's about accuracy, too. With Leo's cutting-edge tools, you can validate new producers faster than ever before. No more wasted time on unreliable data. Leo's got you covered. But that's not all. Leo empowers you to carve your own niche market using unparalleled data insights. Want to target specific dates for workers' comp? Done. Need to identify brokers or carriers to focus on? Leo has your back. And here's the icing on the cake, guys. Leo lets you search prospects based on size, revenue, dates, violations, and more. The possibilities are literally endless. Step into a world of business possibilities with Leo. Revolutionize the way you connect, target, prospect, and succeed. Don't miss out. Join the Leo community today. Go to meetleo.com, and when you go to book a demo or reach out to them, put in the How Did You Hear About Us field that you heard about them on the Insurance Guys podcast or IGP for short. You'll get 20% off. Talk to the folks at Leo. Highly recommend them. Thanks, guys. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50-plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, Each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator, and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree, 
ACFree.org. That's ACFree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. So my question to you, Bradley, is they said more of the mastermind, smaller group, but what's the max number of people you could invite to a mastermind and it still be a mastermind without spilling over to yeah. the word conference? I think it's completely, I think it's completely opinion, but I'm thinking about two scenarios. One, I'm thinking about the mastermind that we're in when it got to about 50 people. Yeah. That's when it felt like it was like, okay, this, you know, the this year before the year before it was about 25. Yeah. And that yeah. was perfect because everybody could talk to every, you know, it, it was just it was much more, much more um intimate. Mm -hmm. But then I the flip side of that is the first, you know, people tell me, I mean, the, the one city world tour last year was a lot of fun. Uh we knocked it out of the ballpark. All because but, of you. But the one the year before, which was in the bar of the Denver Broncos stadium yeah, and all the pictures you guys saw were of the stadium, not of the place we spoke. And that was on purpose. Right. Was really lame by those accounts, but people tell me they got more out of that one. And that was about a hundred people. Yeah. So I think it depends on the event, but I would say, man, capping it at a hundred, like I'm super intrigued about high ticket, low attendance events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's, yeah. I, I think there's something to that. If I'm trying to put on a big event, I had Is an high idea. Ticket five thousand dollars, I would say. Yeah, yeah, a thousand yeah. to five thousand dollars. Okay. If I'm trying to put on a big event, I tweeted this idea out and it got a lot of traction. If I'm trying to put on a big event, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get people in the room that are normally not in the room, mm -hmm. i.e., yeah. the agency owners that can't afford to go. Which, by the way are the ones that could get the most help from vendors and mm -hmm. the vendors can help it can get the most out of them. Mm -hmm. I'm doing $1 tickets. Mm. So you're going the opposite direction. I'm doing one. If, if we're trying to do a big event. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm doing $1 tickets. Right. Now uh, the 5,000, that's for me. Like if sure. I want to get value that I'm looking at high ticket, low attendance. Yeah. But if I'm trying to put on a big event right now, if you're listening to this and you're trying to put on a big event, I'm doing $1 tickets. Get as many people in the room as I possibly can. Right. Okay. The vendors are going to pay more mm -hmm. for their spot because there's more people in the room. Right. Okay. So the vendors are going to be exposed to a greater audience of more people they're not used to seeing because they go to these events too and they see the same agents over and over. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you may be thinking, well, Bradley, there's this, you know, if I paid a dollar, and I have a, the sniffles the day before, mm -hmm. there's an incentive for me. There's no sting for me not to come. The flip side of that is if you don't check in, your card is charged for $799. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so you cool. still have the pain if you don't get there's still a sure. commitment. Sure. But it's only a dollar to go. Right. I think there's something to that. One dollar if you do go, seven ninety nine if you don't. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. And you try to put two thousand people in that room, everybody wins. Yeah. Right. Instead and of charging the vendors twenty five hundred, you charge seventy five hundred. Hey, what if you did this? Instead of charging the vendors anything, you charge the vendors one dollar. But instead of that's all they pay, you get a cut off everything they sell. Like basically, <laughs> that be, basically that's, that's a phenomenal idea. If it worked, that'd be a nightmare to set up. Yeah. And there's a lot, it's different than if, you know, Gaia sells a subscription for $300 a month and Zywave sells somebody a $128,000 contract. That's where it gets, yeah, right. you know, uh, with an eight year commitment. But uh, the yeah. that, that's where and another idea I have is is the first day you get each attendee is told to vote on which vendor they think did the best sales presentation mm. or the best booth setup, whatever. And then the one who gets the most votes gets to speak as a keynote. Right. And pitch their get, whole get, product gets, to the group. Gets 10 the minutes day. in front of the group. I got that idea the first day of our event last year. I was like, man, this would be awesome to do because all yeah. these guys wanted to get on stage and girls right, wanted right, to get right, on stage. Right. And we're like, hey, if you if you treat people the best and you're not overly because like you go through IAOA, like I was going through IAOA, you know, when you and I are at these events, and I'm sure the same with Alan and Drew, people know you and know your name, but you don't know them. Yeah. And I was walking through and this guy said, Hey Bradley. And I was like, oh, hey, and I'm trying to be, you know, Mr. Podcast and be yeah. nice. And yeah. all of a sudden, this dude goes into a sales pitch for a VoIP platform. Wow. Yeah. I had my, my name yeah. badge on. Yeah, so yeah. With my name. No, with my name. And so that's how he knew my name. Sure, sure. And so now I flip my name badge around when I go to this event. But it was the most salesy, like, yeah. dirty, sleazy yeah. feel, you know. And yeah. so it eliminates all that. Yeah. And so you basically put, you hold the vendors accountable. Like, hey, I've got to be like really cool to these yeah, yeah. agents and I want them to, you know, really feel like, and then you run into the other issues where I'm showing, you know, vendors showing a demo to a one man operation or one woman operation. And then, you know, Keith Savino walks by, he's got yeah. a massive agency and they completely ignore this agent and go over to Keith. You eliminate yeah. all that because everybody, vo everybody's votes equal. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that's, those are my conference ideas. We can, we can yeah. get back to Alan. And you know, I I think had to get it's, it's interesting, you know, because you kind of talked about that, you know, the masterminds and the conferencing. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that's been like a challenge for at least for me on the conferences and why I lean towards the masterminds a little bit more myself personally, uh, is just that it's like, we've had, we've, we've, since we've been to a bunch, we have all these ideas and we started implementing. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, I need to work on tweaking my implementation. I don't need another idea. Like my team's going to shoot me if I come back with another new thing to do. Like they want to see sure. us, you know, improve what we've already got in the fire and working on. And that's why I'm not a fan of, the agency owner only conferences mm -hmm. because my staff would get way more out of a 100%. conference than I would. Guess what happens when you charge a dollar? Yeah. Right. Everybody brings their staff. Sure. Right. Sure. You know, I'm liable to bring two or three more people if all I have to pay for is airfare and hotel. Right. Yeah. Versus air, airfare, hotel, food every night and a $800 ticket. Right. Yeah. I, I was actually told the mastermind that we're all, or a member of that I will not be bringing any more staff to that. So Interesting. Well, well, for the record, I was told, I was told I couldn't bring Alan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> don't, feel bad about your yeah. don't be a dick anymore, Alan. 
Yeah. Hey, hey guys, I got a. I I'd rather a, hang out with Alan than Drew. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Just kidding. I got a question for you guys. This may be a question for Alan. Here's the question. Are you ready? Put you on the spot. Oh yeah, I like it. Alan, give me the checklist. Our mission on this podcast is to help agents any way we can. So you're about to do that. What is your checklist of what needs to be done to scale your family's business into more of a, you know, more agencies, bigger, more nationally recognized agency from a scalability standpoint? I work off the rule of three. So I'm going to give you three. You give me three things that you have to do to be able to scale your insurance agency. Yep. No, great question. So first of all, and this is, again, you hit on the, the road we've been on for a while now. It's first of all, it's people. All right. So how are we attracting talent and developing it? And that has two components to it. And then everything starts to intertwine a little bit. But if you look at the road we've been on, it's really trying to solve this equation. And I kind of feel like right now we're about as close as we've ever been to having it relatively solved. We got to keep working it. Right. You know, one is you've got to be able to attract people. And we found that you can't, especially in our marketplace right now, just be out there with a LinkedIn indie job post saying, hey, I need experience CSR. One, the large firms have put their salaries at levels that we can't touch. Sure. Uh, or or th there's a big talent gap or generational gap in there too. So we're, you know, you're finding people either at the end of their careers only have a couple years left or no experience. So one, we've got to start developing that those people in the middle. Right. So we did, we hired last year, three people that were new to the industry and we've got them on a path and we've worked as a team to develop this. So how do you have that, that role path so that someone can start ground up? Here's the other key piece of starting ground up. If you think about that, like mom, dad, small family agency, you bring Betty in, Betty would spend a year learning the ropes, then Betty gets a piece of the alphabet and now she does everything for that piece of the alphabet. Well, you can't take a year to train somebody. You may only have them for three years. So you've got to be in a position where you're getting product productivity out of them day one. Uh, and that's where these different learning tracks come into play. So the minute we get Betty trained on how to do a mortgage e-change, she now goes into a workflow where she's getting fed mortgage e-changes. Minute Betty can do an auto change, same thing happens. And then that lets you take your more experienced people, make them true account managers. So they're doing account reviews. They're doing the high touch things that we want done. They're not getting bogged down with that auto change. They're not getting bogged down with that mortgagee change or that bank right. that needs proof of coverage for the ninth time. And that starts to show them a career path and growth that they want to see too. So we've got within our agency now, we just built this out, literally two, we've got a short-term kind of career path. How are you adding more skills to the agency, but also long-term, all right, what is you know Susie's long-term goals? What does she want to accomplish? And now we have a team manager. Part of her job is to meet with folks every quarter and dust off that long-term plan and make sure in spite of the day-to-day -day firefights we're doing, we are keeping an eye on that long-term horizon. They've got a goal of getting their CISR or something like that, that we are helping to achieve that. So they feel like, hey, we're making progress, even though we're in a small family agency, I'm getting the traction I want to get. I'm growing the way I want to grow. So people's definitely, you know, number one. Two, you kind of heard us touch on as we're going through it, is processes and workflows. And then the most important piece of that is, is accountability within that. How are we watching those to make sure they're being done correctly? Things aren't just sitting there and dying and things are getting done with the service level we want done. So those are really the two areas that we as a team are focused on right now. You know, number three, we haven't had this. We've been lucky. 
but we haven't had like a very defined sales process. So if you look at this year, what we're working towards is really building out that sales function because to start hitting the numbers we need to hit to keep growing at the rate we want to grow, we really need a systemic approach. We can't just wait for the phone to ring and just handle what comes in. So we've been really working on getting a lot of that in place too. I so think that's one of the hardest things to do is, is a systemic sales process because every carrier is so different. So, so yeah. hard to just have it plug and play. And that's one that the captives do so well because a it's one system and B to sell one product, you've got to be really good at sales. Mm -hmm. Right. And good, bad, and different with being, you know, that main street America agency, you know, it's like, you just take whatever comes in the door and uh, that eats up your time to be targeting and going after the things you should be going after. <laughs> so, so I have an unpopular opinion here that I'm going to talk about today on this podcast right now, before we get off here. And there's going to be a lot of people reach out to me and tell me what an idiot I am. Bradley and I are putting together something for the industry that I, I think has the potential to be very special. I think it'll be something a lot of people that listen to our podcast are very interested in. And I we've kind of had to put it in the on the back seat the past couple of months because Bradley was working on buying his agency, and I, I had uh, some fires that I was I, I was a little unaware of how chaotic the end of the year would get for our agency. For instance, we send it, we sent out an automated text the week of Christmas to tell all of our clients that, you know, what our holiday hours were. Okay. That seemed pretty innocuous, right? Sure and it, until uh, we sent out the text to what? 2,500 people. And you would have thought we were giving away new Toyotas at our offices. The what, people calling in. <laughs> Because because they're reading this text message oh, and they're yeah. like, oh shit, they're going to be closed this day and these two days and yeah. that day and the, you know I need to call about this and so it got just real chaotic towards the end of the year there. But we're about to get back on that and one of the things that I owe Bradley and Kenneth here at the office was my sales process and I've given this a lot of thought because we didn't really have a defined one either. I think that our sales process in my agency, our agents are so different. It needs, we need to have some principles to that sales process, but I don't know that I'm going to have a clearly defined that this is what you need to do. It's more of, okay, here's 10 things in our sales process that you have to do. Things like build rapport, you know, follow up, call people back. Um, there's going to be a process, but it's going to be more open ended, if you will, rather than, you know, this is the way you have to do it. You have to say this and da, 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 and all that other stuff, because I got like six or seven agents in my agency. Every one of them has a different little nuance of how they do things. Yeah. But I do believe that there needs to be a sales process, but I don't know that it needs to be so defined that I want you to memorize this script. Yeah. And then yeah. you have yeah. to say all of this. It needs to be a guide. Here's yeah, a general a guide. guide. Yeah. Here you want to be great at sales. That's this is what these are the 10 things you need to be able to do. I don't think that's that unpopular because we're we're kind of modeling a similar concept. You know, it's for me, it's one, okay, if you if you're struggling or you don't know how, or maybe there's a new approach, and that's where there's a lot of good stuff out there. We we all know David Crothers well. So obviously David's systems what we use. 
but again, it's for us, it's less about the specific wording and more about, you know, I used to play for a baseball coach. So he said, I don't care how you're swinging the bat if you're hitting the ball. So if our guys are having yeah. success, I'm not going to go change it, you know, but so, yes, if all of a sudden they're missing the ball a lot, let's start looking at how can we use some of these tools to do it or change how they want to do it. We've got a great sales sales member on our team does a lot of small stuff. He wants to get into bigger stuff. So how do you make that leap? Well, you've right. got, now you got to follow a different process because your process of crap and tracks small stuff. Now we got to follow something different for the bigger stuff. Right. But what I really want is we don't have today a way or we're building out today a way to have some level of control to the process. So mm -hmm. not specifically what they're going to say, but hey, did you last week have that meeting with that lender that you said you would? Did you, you know, reach out to X number of prospects and, and start building that out. What is our target list? Because like you said, now we've got a number of people out selling. Are we all banging on the same door? Or are we dividing up what doors we're banging on? Right. Uh, so we get a little more systemic with it because right now it, it historically has been, all right, yep, yep. So-and-so sold X yesterday. Great, good job, you know? Heck but yeah. we don't know how they did it. You know, how did we get from point A to point B? Sure. And that's what we're trying to build out. Let's make sure we got a good pipeline. Do we have some good quotes out there and start working them through? And then, yeah, you can do some pretty cool stuff off of that. And that's kind of my goal. So let's say we don't have success on something. You know, now all of a sudden, me as the agency owner, I could call up that prospect and say, hey, I saw, you know, last month you worked with Sales guy A, it didn't go real well, obviously, because you didn't end up signing on with us. What's some stuff we can do differently and how to, maybe can we re-earn it next time? Well, now you're kind of keeping that lead warm. And if you find out, well, hey, you know, you know, it's my best buddy that sold me that other policy. Right. He's going to retire in a year. Well, now you know, hey, before they would just let that lead die. Well, let's go back after it in a year when so-and-so retires. So there, there's those type of things that I want to start building off of this as we kind of progress and get the basics done right is how do you start growing from there? Hey, what, I got a question. One question. Yeah. What yep. AMS? What AMS do you guys use? Uh, we're on three sixty. Okay. What is your What is your process, or 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 how do you figure out what your agents, actual like associate agents in your office, what their quote to mine ratio is? How do you figure? Does AMS have something that will tell you that? We use uh, Agency Zoom for a CRM, and that has a whole sales pipeline in there. So okay. we can use that to track, you know, kind of what the sales sure. uh, numbers are and what hits, what doesn't. Got it. Okay. Well, and to circle back, what what Scott was saying, since you let the cat out of the bag, and, and, and well, I'm glad I, I you didn't did. say what it was. No, 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 I, no. I just well, I feel like I need to give context because now people yeah. are going to ask. <laughs> well, what is it? Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, some bitches will be texting me day and night, like, "What are y'all fucking doing?" I'm trying, to, I'm, and I'm trying to direct the traffic to the right place. So. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Scott and I are putting so so our agency has an agency intranet. Correct. Uh, it's called the Portal yeah. Playbook. It's got a, you know we built it so that I could take a homeless man off of Dolphin Street in Mobile, sit him in my office. Plenty of those to get choose from, by the way. And if he, <laughs> and if, he if he can read, he can follow our processes. So it's it's got sales processes, service processes, all the vendors. Um, it's, it's, it's built on Google and SharePoint. So it's completely right. searchable. You can sit down if, you know, the person who handles cancellations is out of the office and a call comes in and the person answers the phone normally doesn't do that. We want to get that customer handle. They can search cancellation or claims or whatever. And the entire process pulls up. So what we're doing is we are soft launching a, 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 a program for agents, Kenneth, who built that for our agency, did a phenomenal job with it. And you can build your own intranet sure. very easily. I mean, Google Sites is free, but 
you're starting five years but behind. Good, good luck. And, yeah, and, so, and, by, and by the way, and I don't mean to steal your thunder, the, re, the way we came up with this for all these agents listening to this is for about the last five years, I've been hearing guys like Mike Stromso and Chris Paradiso talk about how you've heard it. You've been in the mastermind before. You got to have an intranet. You got to have it. Oh, by the way, it's going to cost you about $75,000, but you got to have an intranet. <laughs> yeah. So Bradley and I were like, wait a minute. You're he's they're right. You need one, but I don't really think anybody out there listening to this really understands how to build one. So what we've done is created a plug and play. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's so it's plug plug and play. You're to your point, Bradley. I would say we came out of that same mastermind, and I heard you say that you could build it on Google Sites, and that's what I what yeah. my rock for that quarter was build out a portal on age on on Google Sites, and so. Yeah. We able to do that but we're we're nowhere near as done you know like you said it's an impossible you yeah. know long thing to keep working and like you know when's a document blessed that it can go on there you know when's sure. this you know yeah, ready right. for it it's, and it's you've got updated and yeah and, yeah. and that's what it's like where we're at with that and that's again given my corporate world experience is now you got to get into document control so all right Correct. so i've got procedure out there who can edit it who can't and when do we agree when we make a change or not so that it's not just getting tweaked off of where we want it to be from a core principle perspective so yeah now that's where we're at too it's like how do you what's the change process all right i found a problem with this process how do i fix it how do we get it released to be the new rev? And yeah. So what if we had a what if we had something we could say? There you go. Here's your internet. And by the way, we understand it's going to have to be updated from time to time. But here's the majority of what you already need already there. Yeah. So, I think there's a lot of value to that. But obviously, everyone's processes are yeah, somewhat unique. Sure. And so, and really, the hard part with this the portal is having all your processes documented. And that's the that's the challenge. That so, so where we're taking this is a little bit. It's going to be a soft launch. We're only taking a few agencies initially. It's going to be more. It's going to be a blend of 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 a la carte and plug and play. So it's yeah. very similar to like the advisor evolve model. Yeah. You know, you you pay an ongoing thing for sure. ongoing support and calls with our team to change things. We teach you how to change it if you want to, that sort of thing, whether you're on Google or Microsoft. Um, so we're soft launching that hopefully end of first quarter yep. of this nice. year. Um, if if you're listening to this and you're interested and just want to want to you know poke around, uh, just text me at 251-237-9383, uh, 251-237-9383, and just let me know to put you on the short list yep. and we'll uh, we'll reach out. And then there's going to be some stuff like, hey, let's say you're a new agency, you don't have any processes, and you want to white label Scott and Bradley's processes. Let's let's get after it. Yeah, so, let's, let's do it. So that's sort of yeah. the that's sort of yeah. the thing we're working on. Oh. That I think it's and you know, I mean, you go to like the, there's a few big companies that do this, and I mean, it's twenty thousand dollars, forty thousand yeah, dollars. It's there's some, some of the bigger ones. You've got to have four hundred employees before they'll ever talk. Yeah, to you. this is yeah. this is designed for agencies in the million dollar in revenue and in below correct, range correct um because the bigger guys have people in their office that do it for them absolutely but uh but anyway so that was that was what scott was alluded to yeah and i, I didn't mean to i didn't, no, no, I didn't no, no, want to no. i'm glad you did i don't want you to think i'm not glad you did i'm oh, glad you did oh. yes it's timely <laughs> well I've, I, been, I've been tweeting about it subtly over naming the company is mind your agency love that so All right. the website will hopefully be up by the time this so, comes out so drew alan hard market Give these agents one thing, 2024. And by the way, I'm excited about 2024. I think this is going to be a fantastic year for our agency. I think it's going to be a fantastic year for the industry. I'm excited for everybody listening to this right now because I think there's a lot of positives that are going to happen in 2024. 
But tell these agents out there, what is what is one thing that you guys and I'm instead of you know the the doom and gloom, what is one thing you guys are excited about relative to 2024? Oh man. You know, for me, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity in 2024. You're just going to have to be focused with how you go about uh attacking it. And that's uh, you know, we talk about that sales process and so forth. Right now. It's, you know, you've got to have a plan of how you're going to go out things or you're going to be trying to write that dynamite factory or, you know, that Pitbull training center, because yes, they're absolutely in the market, but good business you can write with your core carriers is also available. You might have to work a little more to go find it, but that's what I'm excited about for 2024 is how do we redefine our processes to make sure that we are going after stuff we want to go after, not trying to chase that thing that's hard to, to place and wasting a lot of time. Uh, the other thing I think, too, with this, this hard market's really shown you as an agency owner who your stable carriers are. You know, we've had some carriers do crazy things, you know, massive rate increases, right. tighten down underwriting guidance, not write new business. Non-renewals. You can't right. reward that as we start to come out of this thing by just plowing back into them when they drop their rates. You've got to think about, hey, when we were in that hard spot in 2023 and 2024, Carrier A, B, and C were stable, and I could rely on them. And I got to really grow that relationship and keep feathering it because it. You think of what creates a churn in your office today? It's that fifty percent increase or that something crazy. You know, no one's. You know, everybody's hearing the news out there. We've done tons of videos on it. People know that rates are up, but when they get a fifty percent increase, I don't care who you are. You're calling like you're bugging us. So. Those ones that were able to keep this somewhat contained and somewhat under control, you know, they've been a real win for us because the phone's not ringing off the hook. They're thankful right. that they only saw 5%, you know? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and one of the nice things about heading into 2024 is we kind of know the playing field right now, right? You know, there's some companies that are probably going to make a couple more adjustments as we slide into 24, you know, with some of their guidelines, you know, but a lot of our core stable ones, you know, granted, we're fortunate that we're in Vermont and New England. We have a lot of great mutuals. You know, they've already made their moves, you know, so we know the playing field. We know how to play in it. Uh, so now we can kind of capitalize and, and, and make, you know, stronger moves and stronger decisions because we know, you know, what we need to do. Um, certainly we have some of you know, the larger, more national carriers that are a little crazier, um, as Alan kind of alluded to. And, you know, they'll make some additional changes, which makes things a little bit harder, but at least there's some stability out there. The other thing I'll leave you with on the on this front, and this is a mantra, we've kind of been banging this drum now for three to six months is, yeah, you are getting some good rate on your book. Uh, if you've got processes in place, you've got procedures in place, you've got a good team that you've been working on, you're well ahead of the curve right now. You may still be going down the interstate at 100 miles an hour. And a lot of other agencies are broken down on the side of the road because they didn't have the right things in place to manage through a market like this. Mm -hmm. You know, we're telling our team, hey, if we have to dial it from 100 back to 80, let's go back to 80 and let's keep this thing under control. Let's keep everybody's head above water. And let's, we're still doing way better than the agency down the road that's not even answering mm -hmm. the phone. That's literally how- Wait, 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 wait. When you said, but dial it back from 100 to 80, what, what exactly did you mean by that? Yeah. So like, you know, we've got obviously we're, all these processes we're following and all these things we're doing and we're out selling like crazy. But the same end of it is like, look, you know, if we our goal is someone makes a certificate request, we want that out in two hours. Well, if it takes four hours now, we're way ahead of the curve. You know, like four hours is still winning the race. So let's not go hammer on Susie down the hall because she got that cert out in three and a half hours when our goal is two. Right. Because it's still out within four and that's way better than everybody else. And yes, yeah. we do. 
going to have to get back there. But let's just realize that right now, a lot of our competition is not answering the phone. They're not getting back to people on things. So let's get our processes right. Let's keep our team's head above water. Let's not have everybody be burned out. Let's kind of keep this thing going because things are going well and we're ahead of the curve. And we, you know, again, we want to still be the best. And you're never going to hear Drew and I not talk about continuous improvement, but the same end of it, it's, you know, this is an opportunity for people out there in this space to regroup a little bit, get your feet under you, right. get your processes locked down. Cause you're, you know, even if you don't go out and sell as much as you might historically, you're going to get a good bump on your current book and it's going to keep your growth probably where you want it. And then when you come out of this hard market, you're going to be ready to roll. But if all you're doing is fighting fires and burning your team out right now, you're not going to have anything left when we get out of the hard market. And now you're going to be trying to take advantage of a, a softening market because these carriers are going to want to grow again. They're going to be lowering sure. rates. Things are going to get crazy again. It's going to happen. We can't help ourselves. But you got to make sure you got a team standing when that's all said and done. I, our goal is not to be one of those agencies that's broken down on the side of the road. And if that means right now we've got to, you know, balance things a little more, then let's do it. So, hundred percent. I'll leave you guys with this. My prediction. Nobody else has said this. This is a Scott Howell, I guess, unpopular opinion. My thought is, and I don't know if it'll happen towards the end of this year or the beginning of next year, twenty twenty five. And I don't have a crystal ball to know whether we're going to have another Hurricane Katrina or a massive wildfire that burns down 6 million acres in California. But assuming none of that happens, and assuming that doesn't happen, my belief is, and I said this on a, I've rarely get on Facebook, but I had a notification. I looked at it. A bunch of people were commenting, and I just, I just stopped everything. And I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell all of you agents what's about to happen. We're in the underwriting cycle of insurance. Remember, the cycle of insurance is like the clock. You know, it can be at the 12 o'clock hour, the 6 o'clock, the 3 o'clock, wherever it is. Well, right now, we're in that underwriting. Carriers are non-renewing business. They are really taking a tough look at underwriting. They're trying to get back to profitability. So let me tell you guys what's about to happen. And I want every agent, at the sound of my voice, Make sure you cut this because I want I want everybody to see and hear this. What's about to happen is at some point in time in the next 12 months, these carriers are going to get back to profitability and their you know balance sheets and P&Ls are going to tell them that they need to open the throttle up, if you will. And every blue blood carrier in the United States of America is going to do the exact same thing. They're going to say the days of you agents, independent agents, riding monoline home, monoline auto, non-standard auto with us and trying to sneak it through, those are over. Every single one of them is going to want the exact same thing. Packaged policies, they're going to want bulletproof credit, homes built after 2010, they're going to want Home, auto, and preferably umbrella. If you have an umbrella, you're probably going to get a higher discount. They're going to want, well, Scott, who are these people you're talking about? I'm talking about the people on this podcast right now. They're going to want to write Scott. They're going to want write, write Bradley. They're going to want to write Drew. They're going to want to write Alan. They're going to want to write professionals. They're going to want to write people that have home, auto, umbrella, RV, boat. Oh, you got a secondary residence and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we'll write that too. That's the kind of risk all of these blue blood carriers are going to want. And if you, you've been writing, like my agency has something like 289 monoline autos or something like that. 
you better you better put them with progressive Nat Gen Geico somewhere because they're about to come out and tell you that hey by the way all those monoline policies you have we're canceling all those that is what is about to happen with every blue blood carrier in the United States of America get ready for that the end sorry. Didn't mean to steal y'all's thunder. No, no worries. We've already seen some of that. We have a yeah, number yeah. of carriers that have shut down on Monoline Auto for sure. 100%. 100% <laughs> all of them are going to do it. Travelers, Safeco, yeah. Liberty Mutuals. I know that's the same thing. Nationwide. All the – you name it, that's what they're all going to want. And uh, so we just have to be prepared for that, right? we gotta we got to go after those kinds of clients and figure out a soft landing spot for everybody else, right? And my crystal ball, which again, same thing, don't know if it's accurate or not, and it might be three to five years from now, but I think you're going to start to see, as we've all seen agencies get bought by these national level firms, Mm -hmm. your national level companies are going to start working closely with those large agencies, and you're going to have these national level contracts that they're operating under. And then you said in our marketplace, we've got a lot of small mutuals, and they're very successful, very profitable. And I do think, you know, you're going to see over time that agencies like ours really need to align ourselves with those folks, because I think the national agencies will move away from them, because it just doesn't make sense for them to have $7 million in premium with this small Vermont-based mutual, when they could roll that on some national level contract with travelers or something like that. So I think there is going to be some industry shift in there, and an opportunity for agencies like ours and your guys to align yourself with these mutuals and grow together and find out ways to work together to, to be profitable. But you're going to have to be a lot more hand in hand uh, than probably historical, because I just don't see a world five years from now where, you know, the hills of the world and these large aggregates are going to waste their time with a small uh, alignment that's, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire based or something like that. Right. So. Well, guys, I appreciate you being on the show today. I'm going to shut this thing down. Guys, as I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world, write business, write good business, make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, for your parents and your in-laws that are struggling out there. God knows there's a bunch of them. Go write business and make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, buddy. Thanks, guys. Hey, Drew, Alan. Good job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You've been witness to the second time in my life Bradley Flowers has ever told me he loves me. <laughs> All right, yeah. Hey, we love you too and look forward to seeing you at the Paradiso Mastermind, yep. guys. All right, that's good. Thanks, yes, that's good. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.